Welcome to Locked on Grizzlies. For the first time, I guess technically as part of the 2017-18 season, I am Peter Edmiston, and uh, we'll be uh, bringing you fabulous Grizzlies coverage all season long, so really excited about that. For those of you that are jumping on board uh, with the uh, introduction of the new season, welcome to the pod. For those of you that have been with us for a while, thank you so much for continuing to uh, join us and continuing to, to make this a part of your uh, Grizzlies Day. We've got uh, a lot to get to today on the show, including a uh, lengthy chat with John Hollinger. Uh, I talked with John uh, about uh, a number of different things, and uh, the Grizzlies vice president of basketball operations had a lot to say. I asked John about uh, the situation with Jermichael Green, about moving on from Zach Randolph and Tony Allen about the Grizzlies' future, about the Troy Daniels trade, a whole bunch of subjects. And I thought John uh, was really uh, candid and forthcoming and gave a lot of answers, in particular answers that I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, for those of you that are big-time you know, basketball fans and, like, you know, really hardcore, he he's he's very good about He doesn't sugarcoat it. He gives you the, the, the intimate details about uh, the, the various – you know, trade exceptions and all the stuff that, that goes on with the Troy Daniels trade. He he doesn't mince words. Uh, I think he, he doesn't, he, he's very good about not talking down to you, man. He treats you like you, you know exactly what you're talking about uh, because uh, he really respects the Grizzly fans and the hardcore Grizzly fans, especially because I think, you know, where he came from and, and the fact that he, he wrote and he came in from the other side and he's not forgotten about that. So it's a, it's a really cool conversation. I think you're going to enjoy that's coming up. Uh, a little bit later on in, in the podcast. Also this week, you're going to hear uh, a whole bunch from Media Day uh, as uh, I kind of break that down for you a little bit because there's, there was a lot to get to and a lot of things were said. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, a chunk on what a lot of the players were saying about the protests that have gone on in the past week and what they expect, David Fisdale's approach to that. Uh, some of the players uh, have uh, approaches. I think most of them uh, are pretty similar, but but there is uh, a notable exception in Chandler Parsons, who was a little more reluctant to talk about uh, taking a knee. And uh, that, that that's an interesting kind of, I don't know, the, 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 the comparison is interesting in that case. So I'll, I'll give you that later on in the week, uh, along with their thoughts about the team, about where things are going to go. Marcus Gasol had a lot of interesting things to say about um, you know his his current situation, about how he feels about the franchise and, and all that stuff, especially in the wake of what we saw uh, over the summer and some of the comments that, that were made in Barcelona and uh, in, in other places. So that's that's all stuff that's coming up later on in the week. Also, of course, we'll, we'll keep giving you updates on what happened um, in practice and in training camp as the Grizzlies have gone through two sessions uh, of training camp on Tuesday. More to come uh, today. And... Uh, so far, so good, at least in terms of, of camp. Chandler Parsons was a full participant, and uh, he said on Tuesday uh, he was really excited about the things that he was able to do in uh, in practice. I'm sure they're still going to monitor me, and there's still going to be some nights where they, they pull me back a little bit, but just going into training camp with a fresh, clear mind, uh, getting through a full practice today, uh, you know, not having to get in and out of drills, on the bike, off the bike, staying warm, 
I uh, just felt good to you know, feel like an actual basketball player today and be out there with the guys. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's fun. Like today, I actually, I had fun playing basketball and just being out there and not thinking and not worrying about my, my knees or uh, just out there, you know, going over coverages. And obviously, it's the first day, so we're putting in a lot of coverages, a lot of terminology for the young, for the young guys and the new guys. Uh, and it was a very good, you know, organized, uh, you know, fundamental practice just uh, on stuff we needed to cover. Now, obviously, you want to take every bit of what you hear from Chandler Parsons with every grain of salt you can find, with a salt lick, with uh, anything. Because you know, I know, he knows, the team knows, everyone knows that this thing has not worked out at all and that it was a total disaster last year. But, you know, what can you do? You have to turn the page on that and, and do the best you can. And so much really relies on him being healthy. Uh, really, if this team is going to reach its goal and is going to reach whatever potential that it's got, it's got to come with Chandler Parsons playing a, a big role. So, you cross every finger that you got that, that this thing is going to work out. And at least in the first practice, it wasn't a situation where he had to uh, go to the bike for a while, where he had to go uh, hang out and wait and sit through some of the periods of practice, which happened uh, more often than not last year. You know, that that's not part of it. That's a, that's a big sigh of relief, at least from that, from the Grizzlies perspective on that first practice. Now, you know, it is the first practice and there is, um, you know, so much more to do, many more preseason games, all that, all that stuff that, that he hasn't really done, but at least he's going to get a chance and at least things are going well so far. It will not surprise you to find out that David Fisdale thought that the Grizzlies first practice was, well, let him say a good first practice. I mean, I think um, most coaches right now after one practice are probably feeling pretty good about the team, but I did. I, I like the way we came to work today. Um, you know, we really got after it. We put in our, our baseline of our defense and our early offense, and uh, I thought guys picked up stuff pretty quickly. I told you. I don't think there's any coach in – I didn't listen to every coach's interview after every practice today, so maybe you can tell me where I'm wrong, but I'm guessing every coach kind of had the same thing. Great practice – good to be back, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's what you would expect. Um, high energy, people excited. You know, it's only later on in, in camp, later in the week, and then certainly through preseason when you start to get a little tired and you're, you're just ready to, to get to the regular season. But for now, it's the honeymoon phase. It's the introductory period. It's, uh, it, it's all fun and games. And getting those, uh, those coverages in early is important. The terminology shouldn't change very much, but the Grizzlies are going to have you know different personnel and and by all accounts based on the conversations that I had uh, this week, I think you can expect even more switching, even more of a pure example of the things that David Fisdale wants to do defensively. You know, I think he's very much of the philosophy, like many coaches are these days, that you have to be proactive in the switching. You have to have bigs that can switch out onto um, wings. You have to be able sometimes to guard the the one with your four. Sometimes that that's going to happen, um, and and vice versa. And you know, it was something that 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 uh, Fisdale talked about with Chandler Parsons. Said that you know he he envisions Parsons playing the four, you know, potentially 
defensively, maybe having to defend fours, but then he may end up being the one just in terms of what the Grizzlies want to do because of his playmaking ability. And that allows, then you can have those lineups and, and you know, guys like you know, Mike Conley can be out there as technically the point guard, but really could be the two. And you can slide a bunch of other guys around in, in that situation. If you have Chandler Parsons as the playmaking four, who's going to initiate offense, that's the, the, the thought when he was signed, that's what they wanted to see happen. And so, you know, you could start to, to see the, the the little sprouts, the little germs of an idea uh, that could potentially blossom into something really nice. The problem, of course, being that you have to rely on Chandler Parsons being healthy, and that is something that you just can't rely on. You just cannot, until we see Parsons play several weeks of injury-free, good basketball where he's playing starters minutes without any issue, only then can I think you feel comfortable about what he's going to be able to do and how much you can rely on him as a team. Now, maybe that happens, and I hope it does, but you are right to, and I think it's important to wait until that actually does happen before you start to get real excited about what's going to happen this year uh, for the Grizzlies. So before we get to the interview with John Hollinger, that's going to wrap up the edition of Locked on Grizzlies today, I want to tell you about our friends at Outdoors Inc. Uh, I love the great people at Outdoors Inc. And so many of you do too. I've heard from a lot of you that have talked about how great your experience has been, which is awesome. I love hearing that how uh, nice the folks are, how friendly they are, how cool the stuff is, and in particular, how much it's uh, it's nice to have folks here, for those of you in the Memphis area, that really get it, that get what you like to do, that love your activities, that love to hike, that love to uh, go outside and climb. You know, not everyone's into that. But if you are, you want to talk to people that are into what you're into, to get the best gear, to get the best advice, to have the best experience that you can have. People that uh, are into cycling, guess what? So are they. Over at Outdoors Inc., I can promise you. People that are into kayaking, they've got you covered, no problem. Uh, Running, yeah, it's all there. Any outdoor activity that you do, they do, and they love it just like you do. They're going to get you the best gear. They're going to get you the best equipment at the best price. That's what they have been doing since 1974 at Outdoors Inc. And I am proud and thrilled that they are a part of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. And in fact, they extend something really special to uh, all of you who listen to the podcast. And they, they wanted to reach out and say, you know, well, let's do something special for you guys. Uh, and I was like, absolutely, please, let, let's let's do that. So they said, how about we use the promo code LO Grizzlies? So that worked out perfectly, right? L.O. Grizzly. So if you go to OutdoorsInc.com, go to OutdoorsInc.com, go through the site, find what you want, and your whole cart is there. And if you put in the promo code L.O. Grizzlies at checkout, you will save 10% off your entire cart. What? Yes. Just for doing that. Just for doing that, you're going to save 10% off of everything that you do at Outdoors Inc. And uh, there are so many things that you can do 
And if you want a cooler, you want something that's uh, going to be yeah, really nice for you to take along with you on trips, or if you're going to go tailgating or going to go party, whatever it is, they've got you taken care of there. Uh, I got all my footwear at Outdoors Inc. Uh, they have helped my family with a lot of great gear, and I know they've helped a lot of your families as well. So go and check them out. Again, five great locations in the Memphis area. For those of you that are here, for those of you that are not, don't worry about it. Go to Outdoors Inc. .com. Use that promo code LOGRIZZLIES, save 10% off of your order, and uh, really do yourself a favor and enjoy outdoor activities, enjoy getting out there and being a uh, part of nature and having some fun and doing some cool stuff, especially as the weather starts to turn a little bit cooler. That's my favorite time to be outside. I love it. You're going to love it too. Check out the great folks over at Outdoors, Inc. Uh, as promised, Time to hear from the Grizzlies Vice President of Basketball Operations. I had a chance to sit down earlier this week with John Hollinger and talk to him about a number of issues. And uh, like I said, I think you're going to enjoy the way that John handles a lot of this stuff. I think you're going to enjoy the way that John addresses a lot of these issues. And listen, he doesn't shy away from some tough topics. So without further ado, here is my interview with John. John, how do you, now that you go into the training camp, uh, assess the, the, the roster and, and the, the work that you guys did in total? There's some work yet to be done, obviously, uh-huh. but at this stage, what, what, what's your take on, on what happened? I think we retooled ourselves to be um, to be a different kind of team around Mike and Mark, where we are um, got some younger blood in. We got a lot more playmaking, players who can make plays off the dribble, which we really felt like there was too much pressure on Mike a year ago to do that. Um, And uh, I think, you know, we just, we needed to evolve. I mean, we went 56, 50, 55, my first three years here. The last year, two years, we went 43, 42. Like, the solution to that wasn't getting older, you know? Like, we we sort of, you kind of need to change gears at some point, and that's okay. Um, You know, obviously, Zach and Tony were a huge part of what we accomplished um, these last seven years, um, but you know, it's <laughs> was it was it, it was, like an affirmative move for you guys to move away from them, or what, did the market dictate that that was just what needed to happen? Um, we knew when the season ended that that it was probably what we needed to do, um, and that the. The market, the market conditions ended up being not that. Um, now, as it turns out, with the deals Zach and Vince got, we probably weren't doing that anyway. But I think we came at this from a holistic thing that just we couldn't, we couldn't keep going in that direction and and kind of, I don't want to say survive, but it was just we we were we were just digging a bigger bigger hole ourselves going forward if we kept going down that road. So. The, the the switch you make, and we, we've talked about it last year, obviously complicated by what happened with Chandler and his inability to play much. Yeah. Is it all really predicated on his ability to kind of get in? Because he just does so much, so many different things for you guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously we, you know, I talked about perimeter playmaking. We brought in Chandler last year hoping he'd really be the, the cog that made that go, and obviously his body wouldn't let him do that. Um, I think this year we have uh, – we have – Hopefully, we'll have Chandler is a more prominent part of the mix, but we also we have Tyreek in there now who can do a lot of those things. Uh, we may have Rio in there who can do some of those things. So we'll, um, you know, we'll hopefully have a lot more ways 
besides Mike, of being able to attack defenses off the dribble um, and be able to play side to side a little more. And I shouldn't discount Wayne Selden either because he's really, the progress he's made as a playmaker in the last year has, uh, has really been huge um, where he's, he's a guy who can really, you can put the ball in his hands and, and he can do stuff off the dribble for other people. Um, and that's a, that's a part of his game that's really evolved, I think, really since Kansas. Um, and it's been really exciting to see. He was really, really good in, in summer league and looked good in his stint last year when he was able to, to come in and start a little bit. So you're right. Um, from the, the four spot, playing alongside Mark, you're not obviously David Fisdale. Mm-hmm. You don't set the rotations. But in your mind, when you sign guys or when you draft guys or when you guys look ahead, how do you envision – Jermichael Green is going to be somewhere, likely to be somewhere in there in the mix. Yeah. How do you envision the rest of it kind of playing out, though? Because there's a lot of young talent there that's yeah. unproven. Yeah. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of lot of competition this year. You know, the best players are going to play. So, you know, let's let's see how it shakes out. I mean, obviously we have you know we have a discussion with coach before we make any transaction, just about how this piece and that piece will fit um, and where he sees using them. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's fair to say, Jamichael we see as a, you know as a returning starter for us, and hopefully he'll be back here. You know, <laughs> we'll see. He is but, in the uh, city. We know <laughs> that he's he's literally here somewhere. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's hopefully yeah, can get yeah. the jersey on him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that'll resolve itself one one way or another, and we just have to. Everyone has to take care of the business end of that, and so it's it's what it is. But uh, uh, you know, and then I think those two wing spots, I think, are you know, we just we just have to see what we have. Do you act in response or as a result of what happened around the West? I mean, now you know, Carmelo now goes to, to OKC. Yeah. In addition to what happened in Houston and everywhere else, and everyone's uh-huh. really stacked up. Jimmy uh-huh. Butler, Minnesota. Do you guys act in response to that, or are you guys just kind of? huddle yourself off and say we got to do whatever we got to do and forget what, what they're doing yeah i mean uh, you know chris has a has a saying you know it's it's the weather you can't do anything about it you know but uh uh i do think with the thing that it does really put in your mind i think is that it's going to be a little bit like my first couple years here where like my first year we won 56 and we're the five seed you know because the west was just that difficult second year we won we won 50 and we didn't clinch a playoff spot until game 81 i mean think about that was that when phoenix Phoenix was 48 and 48 or 47 or something and they're in the lottery which is insane so uh um you think about it a little from that perspective like oh my goodness is it going to be one of those years where we you know where you feel like you have to go 73 and 9 just to you know get a five seed or something but uh but i think bigger picture like we have to stay focused on our business and what's what our team is doing and what which moves make sense for us you can't you can't worry about the other guys because you only, I mean you play the whole league you only you can't worry about what one other team is doing you only play them a couple times a year and you might you know I mean, <laughs> well you have to do your own thing for sure you guys one of the other things that, that you did recently um, was uh, Move move on from Troy Daniels, trade him to Phoenix yeah. for yeah. along with a second round pick, and you guys yeah. get a second that's probably not coming back to you. Yeah. Uh, talk to everybody about kind of the the, the financial maneuverings, the reasons why that was a, a thing that made sense for you guys. Yeah, um, so Troy was a guy who was going to get squeezed with the development of Wayne Selden, with us being able to get Tyreek on the deal we got him on. Um, ben coming into well, that, that that was more of a that was more of a, a known. The things that I think were were kind of not necessarily, I don't want to, 
I don't know if surprises is the right word, but like Wayne coming along the way he did this summer and then Tyreek being available at that number, those two things, okay, now those are really pushing him down the depth chart. And I, I feel good. a lot of Conley at the two. I mean, that was a fair bit well, of those lineups as well. Well, we played, I mean, we played Andrew at the two a lot with, with Conley. Um, if Rio makes it, we'll prob- probably do the same thing. So you can just see him getting pushed down and pushed down. Um, so I think we did right by him as a player to send him in a situation to Phoenix where he's going to get to play. So you, you feel good about that. Troy's a good, I mean, you guys know. Oh, yeah. Troy's a good guy, and he's an NBA player. We just didn't really have a have a spot for him the the financial element of this is so uh we saved uh we were going to end up paying him 6.7 million over the next two years um we saved that by shedding the pick which probably has a market value of probably closer to two and a half to three so you could buy it back twice with the money you saved basically um and then the other element of it is we'll get a trade exception worth 3.4 million which we have for a year Maybe nothing comes of it, but trade exception has been good to us in the past. We were able to get Courtney Lee with the Rudy Gay trade exception. We were able to get James Ennis with the John Lohr trade exception. And uh, we got Matt Barnes Matt with Barnes, the Quincy Pondexter trade exception. Um, so It's good to have in your back pocket, just yeah, in case. It, exactly. It, uh, it, it comes up. You never let know. Let me just say. And it's, and it's I mean, 3.4 isn't huge, but it's large enough that, you know, you, you, can, you can do some business with it. So uh, I think that's a better way to sort of park that asset um, given the given that Troy even even if we had kept Troy on our 15 man roster he was just going to be in a situation where he was so far down the pecking order that we were going to be paying him not to play either way basically so um, so like I said I think we did right by him and I think we made the best of the of the situation that was created by these other opportunities that came up for us so um I don't know. That's kind of the it's, it, it's it kind is, of the nuts and bolts of that one. Well, I'm glad you explained it because a lot of people, you know, a lot of fans, you just see the trade, yeah, and you don't think about the financial or the reasons why. And you try to explain, but yeah. but it, it, it there are you wouldn't just give yeah. up a and guy I mean, just to give up a guy. It's not just mo- I mean, it's money, but it's cap money too, which which comes up later. I think the I think actually this year the luxury tax is probably out of play for us. Although it's nice to have that, that wiggle room uh, in case a deal comes up later. I think next year. The tax is actually more likely to be in play. The cap isn't going to rise that much. Uh, we want to be able to use our full mid-level. Salaries we're, go up. We're, we're going to have a first-round pick. you got to figure there's a salary for Jamichael in there. We probably want to resign one or two of our other guys. So we're $28 million away from next year's tax line right now, but that 28 is going to evaporate That first-round pick really next quickly. year is going to go up. That's a much that more expensive number potentially. That number is be probably in the twos, depending on where we pick. So it's not, you know... It used to be just like, hey, you know, yeah. that's right. It's yeah. not throwaway money anymore. No. So, uh, so yeah. So that's that's kind of some of the logic and some of the thing, some of the why. You know, I saw some people questioning why did you throw the pick in rather than wave the guy. The giving up the pick was clearly the better alternative to just uh, to just waving him. And I think even if we had kept him on the roster, it would have essentially been the same situation where we were paying him but not playing him no and let's be honest i mean you guys you've got a lot of young players as it is mm-hmm. next year you're gonna have a first round pick three second round picks potentially well, down to one now. now you're down to one <laughs> but but you were staring yeah. at potentially yeah. four first year guys yeah, yeah. in addition to all the i mean you can only develop so many guys you can only do so much with them and otherwise yeah. they'll just stagnate yeah it's a, it's an interesting uh uh sort of thing we're uh facing because we, we want to try to make sure we're developing our young guys building the next generation the um 
but you still kind of need that stable core of like eight or nine guys you can count on. But after that, the best thing to do, especially if you don't have a top five pick, you really kind of want to throw numbers at the problem and give yourself <laughs> as many shots to get, right. you know what yeah, I mean, to get absolutely. a young guy who hits as possible. So you really want those, the if you can, those last seven spots to be guys who can, you know, who, who are those developmental guys who can be something for you two, three, four years down the road. You know, hopefully, you know, maybe this year even we'll see. But when you guys have had a good track record with those kinds of guys that have that have come on and maybe surprised a little bit or jumped in a little bit, Wayne Seldon's a good example on the yeah. existing roster. But there have been uh, several of those guys in the past who haven't always ended up here. But that's just kind of the way that it goes. We watched, and I'm sure you did too, Mark over in, in Spain and yeah. Eurobasket. Do you like Mark playing in that event just from a purely greedy standpoint? And what did you think? Because it looked to me like he looked tremendous, like in terms of his his maneuverability. I know you're keeping track on, yeah. on everything that's going yeah. on. Uh, he's he was in great shape, and those are the um, you know we send our trainers over there during the course of the year and everything. And Fizz went out there and saw him in Romania. Um, he he looks great uh, physically. Um, obviously, you know you always worry about him. Uh, playing in those games and something happening like the play that happened in the third you know right. just a cheap play by Nikita Kurbanov the guy just dives in his legs I mean let's call it what it is um, so I mean at the same time guys can get hurt playing pickup too I mean Ben you know That's Ben got an injury playing typically guys don't dive in your legs in a pickup game I mean I think there's a little higher threshold of like land on feet. Threshold, land on yeah but you can land on feet all kinds of stuff can go wrong um, and that that can happen that can happen anywhere. Um, so I think, uh, I think we don't mind our guys playing because we, we know they're working and, and staying in shape that way. I think the thing that, uh, that, the, that we all kind of as a, as a league and um, still fret about a little is that there's um, the risk-reward proposition when injuries do crop up of the insurance no 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 it's just just the uh you know like the the national teams when they clear a guy to play their incentives are very different than our incentives and how do we it's totally like that and how do we make those more aligned because you you can't put that on the player they're they're competitors they're they're going to want to go back in the game every single time so it's it's how do we align those risks and you know they have to get liability insurance and stuff but it's not quite the same it it really only applies if something horrible happens but it doesn't you know (laughs) and so i think i think that's one area that's still a little sticky and it's not and it's not just necessarily with markets you know it could be mike and team usa it could be dylan and team canada or rade with certain you know there's yeah yeah, it's it's whoever yeah it's always an international domestic there's always that pull between club and country it's it's that way in other sports it's just the, the the nature of it um I was going to ask also. Did, I don't know if you want to talk about this, um, but do you have you guys have a take from a you personally or from a team perspective on lottery reform on where things stand? Do you like this idea? Are you concerned about the direction of opening up the, the lottery a bit wider to some of the other teams? I, I think disincentivizing these sort of hardcore brazen tanking uh, is is a good thing. Um, I think in. I think actually, some of the big market teams actually have an advantage if that's in place. Like Philadelphia, I thought it was much more plausible for them to do that in their market than for us, say, to do that in in this market. Um, and 
there's going to be, you know, whether it's, whether it's, you know, a year from now or 15 years from now, there's going to be some point where inevitably there, there will be rebuilding here, right? But um, you still want to be able to kind of compete and you can't tear you know, down fight, the studs, fight. is what yeah. you're saying right? well, and, and you want to be able to compete and fight with honor you want your fans to be happy that you won a game right like you know and not be like oh, oh we just missed our chance on the next Kareem Abdul-Jabbar great um, so I think I think there's a lot of things that go into that because um, you know the the total wins and losses in the league are a zero-sum game but the the quality of the thing we put on the court is not necessarily um, so I think we I think it helps ensure that we're getting more of a, a quality product around the league, especially when you get into February and March with some of these teams. Um, I, just, I, I, I just think it's a better look 